0: There are a lot of things that change with time, but for us, our dedication to helping farmers succeed has never wavered. We started Beck's Hybrids with 80 acres of farmland here in Atlanta, and we're proud to now serve farmers in over 15 states across the Midwest and the Mid-South.
1: The Beck family and Beck's Hybrids, a major player in the ag industry with deep Indiana roots, the largest family-owned seed company in the United States. What's behind Beck's success? We'll get the lowdown from CEO Sonny Beck on this edition of the Business and Beyond Podcast. We are the first family owned company to sell more than 2 million bags of seed corn in a single year. As a grandson, a son, and now a father, I'm proud to help raise the next generation of Beck's leaders and look forward to remaining independent and family-owned for generations to come. That's fifth, yes, fifth generation Beck, Corey Beck, already carrying the torch for a legendary Indiana ag family. The Beck philosophy, quality, service, and pushing the needle forward in agronomic research. And I am pleased to be joined on the podcast this week by Sonny Beck, the CEO uh, at Beck's, uh, one of the largest retail, uh, family-owned retail seed operations in the entire country. Sonny, how are you?
0: Just fine. How are you doing this morning, Gary? G-
1: good, good. I-, I-, I thought I would open up with the most important question of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's how about those Purdue Boilermakers?
0: Hey, yeah, they uh, they made it a game last night. Uh, my guys took off like I'd go and blow them out. But yeah any, any of these te- big Ten teams I mean they can come back it, Big Ten is just so good in so uh,
1: yeah yeah and as we're taping this podcast it is the morning after the Purdue Minnesota game at Mackey Arena in West Lafayette Purdue continues to uh, hold on to that number two national ranking and uh it creates, you're a long time uh Board of trustees member there at Purdue so anytime there's a there's a run like this it it uh puts the Step on the step of, of folks uh, at the school, I would imagine.
0: That's right. Yes. Uh, a lot of excitement going on. And, uh, you know, with, with all the innovation and, and all the stuff that's going on uh, in the research department and, and our Discovery Park, uh, just filling up with aeronautical kind of things. So it's a, it's a, a very high time for Purdue. They're on a roll. Yeah, well,
1: talk about that because innovation at your connection to uh, Purdue, you know, personally and, and and with the company, obviously, and innovation, a theme that runs through all of that as, first of all, since you mentioned that, I'll bring it up too. When you talk about the innovation, the entrepreneurship, uh, the things going on at Purdue and Purdue's connection to economic development uh, in the state and those types of things uh, been momentum, I think in that regard for, for a number of years, but it seems as though it's, it's really kind of reaching a, reaching a bit, bit of a peak
0: now. Yeah, it really has. And at uh, uh, some people wondered uh, well, it would be after Mitch, Mitch got some really great things started. And then uh, Mon, uh, President Meng now had, uh, had been at the university for five years. And I even then took somebody who went to uh, Washington, D.C., and I said, you're, you're, you're probably not coming back, are you, Mom? And he said, I guarantee you, Sonny, I'm coming back. I just want to see how the rest of the world works, and I'll yeah. be back. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah he's, uh, he's continuing to build on the uh, great legacy that, that Mitch Daniels had there.
1: Yeah, certainly Purdue's uh, status uh, as a world-class Uh, agricultural institution. Uh, Sonny, as you look uh, as we begin here at the overall, the the state of agriculture in Indiana, how how would you how would you assess the state of of agriculture as we begin 2024?
0: I think it's on a it's on a rule also. I mean, doing business in Indiana is is really about as easy as you can as you can get. And, And with our Midwestern values and great Indiana government uh, and legislature that really makes it as easy as uh, as it can anywhere yeah. uh, to do business and now with the i-65 corridor we from running from from, from Indianapolis to to, uh, to Purdue and lock that's a huge thing over the next 30 40 50 years uh, it gives a great place for all kinds of businesses to operate in addition to our great AG industry you know we don't want to forget our great ag industry here in Indiana either because you know, it's over 30 billion hour uh, Money coming in, and so I—I uh, uh, I think Indiana's the easiest place to do business, and uh, I think we're on for a great run there, Purdue and other universities here in the state also.
1: As you look at that, you mentioned the ag industry, if you will, and it's uh, certainly, uh, you know, traditional uh, farming, uh, a big part of that. But it's it's much bigger than that, uh, obviously. T- talk about, because I think people don't really appreciate the size and scope of the ag industry, uh, the role that innovation plays uh, in that going forward as well.
0: Yes, yeah, so, so uh, there's great Indiana companies, you know, Korteva is located here now. And Bayer has a presence and, uh, and basically in, in our company. And, and mm-hmm. other than 140, at one time I went to an, uh, a seed meeting in my early days, and it's 140 people there and, and about 90 of them were uh, in, in basically the corn industry. And from Indiana, I mean, we had a lot of people there. My my father and grandfather uh, started our part of the company in 1937 when Purdue botany department says we have this new thing called hybrid seed core and anybody, any farmer can come and get their three acres worth. And so my dad and my grandpa both got their three acres worth as we did almost one person from every County at that time. And so it was a great way to, uh, to build the business. The other States, uh, did not dis- dis- dispose that, uh, quite as widely, uh, and so you didn't see as many family-owned companies in in Iowa, for instance, and and similar states. But Indiana was about getting it out, and and letting, uh, you know a lot of just plain farmers. Yeah. You know? After with a seat gun if they wanted
1: to. So. Yeah, and I want to talk about the the formation of the company because it's a great, really to me, one of the great entrepreneurial success stories, uh, uh, certainly in our state. Uh, but I was uh, some numbers came out this week or last, just here in the last number of days, uh, numbers on the the size and scope of the uh, Indiana uh, ag industry. And one of the things that caught my eye, it indicated there are about ninety five thousand farmers in, in the state. What caught my eye was the average age of a farmer is 56. Is that a con- concern to you? The age, uh, uh, you know, of farmer's and that young pipeline of talent really needing to be
0: filled up. I hadn't seen that statistic, but it's one year younger than it was 30 years ago. Oh, is that right? It's, wow. always, it's always been about 57 ah. through all these years. And, uh, and no farmers don't necessarily quit at sixty five either. As you well know, right? But uh, they'll continue on, and maybe you know, their son or uh, or another uh, person would continue on with the business because you know they, they can farm till you're know, seventy five or eighty five. I mean, with today's yeah. equipment, we're not throwing hay bales around anymore, right? And so forth. That I kind of hate Jack that because that's that was always great for building your muscles and everything. But, uh, <laughs> right. No, I think, yeah, it's 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 a concern, but it isn't a concern because it's just it's just the way it's just the way our ag industry you know operates. Now, you do have to be on top of your game in, in the seed industry if you're gonna appeal to those younger people that are coming on. And certainly uh, you know, they're more tech savvy and and that sort of thing. So we we always want to be uh, on top of our game as other seed companies do, with always oh, with what we call Farm service, that's our, our digital way to keep track of your fields and, and for every farmer and so forth that we have and other companies have, have kind of the same thing. but
1: Yeah, yeah. As you look so, at careers in agriculture, and I guess I maybe touched on that earlier, but is part of the issue uh, or the talent issue that cuts across all industries – but for agriculture, just kind of getting the word out on the careers there are in agriculture. You mentioned technology and research and uh, communicate. There
0: there's so many areas of
1: agriculture that that young people
0: can get into now. Oh, there really is. And uh, and we have, a, a, I would say, a lot of uh, employees now working for a company that maybe you'd call word city or suburb, but uh, they knew they wanted to get into something, uh, uh, botany or, or agriculture or something. And uh, they don't necessarily have a farm background, but I mean, you're about to have a computer background to work in business today. So that's, yeah. that's one of the important things. And then kind of a love and uh, we've always hired for attitude and work ethic. I didn't say what your background was. I mean, those are two things that people ask me 40 years ago. What do you hire for attitude and work ethic. If you have a great attitude yeah, and, 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 and you come to work and you show up every day and you have a great work ethic... You know, we have probably got a job here for you, and so it's uh, it's about that. And then if you're working inside, and I call it uh, a heads-down job, uh, you know, maybe you're in finance or you're on the computer or or you're some uh, in research that your inside job. You know, okay, heads down, and you're know, you're not happy. What do you like doing weekends? Oh, we go we go camping. Uh, we go try to ride horses at my friend's house, and you know, I just love like. I'm going to have to fire you because you're not any good at heads down job. <laughs> how about we move you over here to you know, to a, a sales job or an outside job in a farming part or whatever? And you're just the wrong job. You're not a bad person. Yeah. And so sometimes it takes that to help people realize what their passion is. And that is the most important thing in maintaining your job and having your job is have a passion for what you do every day when you go to work. And and you find a company that, that you can find that passion in, boy, you'll never work a day in your life. I mean, like a lot of farmers and my dad said, you know, I never worked a day in my life it was like, I enjoy every day I go to work. And uh, I guess that's the way I am and a lot of people are. In, yeah, in yeah.
1: Well, you've taken that uh, passion to to grow Beck's into the largest family-owned retail seed company in the country. Uh, I think the third or fourth largest seed brand in, in the nation as well. Sonny, I uh, want to get to the roots of the company, but give us a thumbnail description of Beck's now in terms of your your size, uh, your footprint uh, based in Atlanta, uh, Indiana. Kind of a thumbnail description of Beck's.
0: I guess, uh, yeah, we would be third third largest seed uh, company in terms of uh, corn and soybeans in the U.S., and it's, it's it, it amazes me that uh, how it happened, but it's just, I, I guess I never realized the power of Rule 72. Have you ever heard of that banker's rule? Yes. 72? Put money in the bank at 6% interest, divide it into 72, it tells you it will double in 12 years. Well, fortunately, so we've had 12 to 13% growth every year except two since 1964. Wow. It's just, it's just steady. Uh, and I think Simon Sinek wrote a book about it here the last couple of years of uh, the infinite game. You don't want to play to reach a certain team. We're going to beat the the, the high school, the, the uh, big school in the county, and our little school is going to beat them in football. And and that's your only goal. And I know one person, that was their only goal. you know. <laughs> but, I mean, if you have a goal, then you quit. Unfortunately, we can't quit because – we're trying to always be better, and the whole team is like we're just going to be better ourselves. So I think we can control, it. and that will make the company better if yeah. we all are, are trying to be and accomplishing being better. And so I think that's what's that's what's made uh, made the difference is we we have you know, dedicated employees, and that comes from from management and family. You know, you know, recognizing what they do, and that that's as important as. And when I'm hiring I like basketball okay so if I'm hiring a team I don't want five seven foot centers I can probably beat you with another team you know yeah and uh, but I want I want a big center and then I want a defensive guy that he knows he stopped the other team and his players know he stopped the other team but the crowd doesn't really understand that but if your if your shooter goes back down the slower point to hey nice block Love it. Or hey, you really shut that guy down instead of you know bragging about my shop. I mean, that's what we try to do here is the whole team wins. And and when the whole team wins, then everybody feels like they did their part and they accomplished something. And so I want to hire different talents to go do a job, mm-hmm. not all shooting guards. And so, you know, that's when we continue to say, uh, with our work uh, attitude and work ethic, that's what we mean. It's like attitude and work ethic in your job, and you and you understand you do that, you're gonna like what you're doing, and also the rest of your team is gonna say great job. Yeah. And so we've been very. You asked about size. I believe we have around. Well, I know we have some 970 employees, and wow. it changes every every couple of weeks here, yeah. but uh, 970 employees, and that. Tends to, get, to grow with the growth and so forth as it comes along. So, and some of those are in around a couple dozen sites that we have around, and uh, on on the board behind me here. I don't think you can see it, but uh, would be the dots where we have a a facility uh, in 19 different states now, and, and that encompasses about 85 percent of the corn acres in the whole 40 towards 50 states. Wow. So basically, we're, Colorado, we don't need to sell in three, three counties in Colorado until we ask it our snow skis. And so then we don't sell much in that territory. So that's kind of, we're just about expanded into most of the good, uh, you know, as a good, the good soil. to us we say, Jed, I can go, but we won't expand until we can do the same job with that next three counties as we're doing with our present system. A story I love to tell was when, uh, way back, way back, and uh, it was one of the Indiana meetings, and meeting with the ag, a lot of the ag community, a lot of the seed growers. And uh, one of my, my friends uh, said, uh, was in seed business, said, uh, boy, well, we're selling in seven states now. And I kind of shrunk down in my seat. <laughs> I'm selling a 60-mile circle. You know, I've only been back to on the farm, but we were a 30-mile circle. Now we're maybe a 60-mile circle in the middle of Indiana. Like, right? okay, but well, great. I'm glad, you're, I'm glad you're really going. Later on in the conversation, he divulged how many bags of seed he was selling. I said, I thought to myself, we sell more than that in just a 60-mile circle. And not seven. And that also taught me i wanted to start a 30 mile circle like my dad had and kind of expand to 60 and when you can do that job for the, the next 30 miles like you could through your first ones go after it but if you expand out too far you do not give them a service you don't have an agronomist that gets there to, to help walk the fields and you'll maybe even have the right products for them or you don't have in today's world, a, a good farm server, a good computer system for them. And so a little bit later, they were one of the companies and sold out. Wow. And so and the reason he said, is, you know, I I just couldn't give the service out there that I that I should have been giving. We have a, a map on on, on the uh, our boardroom, you know, it shows how far we are. were in 1964, 1966, 1970, 1975. And then it took us about five, eight years to get across the Mississippi River. The last part of Illinois was, was really difficult because the circle is getting so big. That's, that's how we expand. We don't get there until we, uh, and it and it honestly is just 12%, 13% a year, but it just counts that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, and I think that's uh, noteworthy is that you're very strategic, very intentional about how you grow. And again, over time, you know, keeping the head down and driving forward and, and you, you know, you, you grow. And, and uh, that is part, I think, of the amazing story of your growth, that double digit growth you talk
0: about. We have, used to say it attitude and work ethic. And about 19 years ago now we said, well, what, what are we really? And so we developed um on one page, now 19 things that was part of me, we want to be. And then we wrote them out and it took four, four typewritten pages. We signed our joint team, which is about Dozen doesn't have people. So we said, what are we, you know, what do, what do we aspire to be? So we had 19 things, and we said, no, nobody can remember those. Nobody's going to pay attention to them. Get it down to five. throw on one hand. Well, we got it down to six. <laughs> 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 couldn't get it right, tight to five. And also, less than one page in describing it, but we call it Attitudes and Actions, and it's T-I-I-A-C-P. And teamwork, sorry, integrity, you must have integrity and and be honest with your, your teammates and with your company. And we will be with you because that ruins any relationship. So innovation, innovate is the next one, TII. And you have to be thinking, you know, when you're in farming or whatever, that they never goes exactly right. Fertilizer the guy doesn't get there with the fertilizer, the seed man doesn't get there with the seed. The weather changes, this field got wet, that one didn't. So you, you got to innovate, I call it, and then they, they have to overcome. And so as you go on down through that, that list, the last two are commitment and passion. And, and when you find a job, a passion that the person will do on weekends when they go home, outside, inside, whatever. Uh, then you've got an employee that will really begin to like what they do at work too. And so you try to find that for them. Commitment, the one right before that, people think I mean commitment to the company and only the other company and all that. And I said, no. Now, if you're going to have, have a happy life and you're, you're complaining to me about, oh, I'm working 50 hours a week sometimes, I'm working 60 hours a week sometimes, And that's what's ruling my marriage. And I say, excuse me, let's talk about that again. How many hours in a week? Well, let's see, 168, by golly. And you say you're working 50 or 60 hours. Okay, take 60 off. 60 off of that leaves 108 hours. It's what you do with that 108 hours that will affect you in your family life. Now, for me, that's 100 hours. I, I want to adjust that properly for my face, for my family, and my farming. That's my job. And so you you have 40, 50, 60 hours So there. You still got a hundred left. And with your when you're with your family and your kids, make that the most important thing you're doing. Lay the dog on cell phone down if you're talking to your 10 year old. Oh, excuse me. No. Right. It needs their time. I guess I was moving my them. Favorite remarks is someone asked uh, my son Scott, uh, who's president, said, well, how'd, you, how'd you do growing up with a dad? You know, it was always busy all the time, it just seemed like he was busy all the time. How, how'd you like that? Or whatever. And he says, You know, he says, I knew dad was busy. When it was my time, it was my time. He was devoted to that time. And he has done a better job than I did of that. Raising <laughs> his kids. <laughs> but when you're with a person, would you wife, your husband, whatever, it's their time. It's the most important time. And we need to lay some things down like a cell phone and make it their time or they and then it just magnifies you the value of your time. But again, yeah, face, family, you you must have that part of your life in line or you will not find a job that you really yeah. like.
1: Well, we have much more ahead with Sonny Beck when we return on the Business and Beyond podcast. We'll talk about the roots of the company uh, uh, dating back, really, to the to the 1800s. Uh, his family came to uh, to America. We'll talk about that and much more when the Business and Beyond podcast returns. and welcome back to the business and beyond podcast presented by PNC my guest this week is the ceo at bex Sonny beck and and Sonny talked a lot about uh, the the company present day uh, in the first part of the podcast let's talk about the history because i think it's really an interesting story i did a little little research so your family came to america in 18 in the 1830s and there was a tradition of passing on land, right, to each child after they got married. Talk about that tradition, kind of the earliest uh, stages of what would become Beck's.
0: Yeah, certainly. Uh, the family came over, over in 1830, 1834, 1836, settled uh, just south of Chipton, Indiana, on a couple of sections of ground there. Actually, uh, my grandson, Corey Beck, when he was uh, in, uh, in school at Purdue, looked up and found the actual ship and the names that were on the ship that came over in those days. And it would have been my great-great-grandfather who came over. And on there were three teenage kids. And one of them was Francis Beck, who was a teenager. And that name then transferred to my grandfather, Lawrence Beck. And then my father was Francis Beck. And I'm Lawrence Beck, but my mom said that's too long a name for a baby, so she called me Sonny. So that's how I got the name Sonny and so Anyway, they settled on this two sections of ground, and then whenever children got married, they got 80 acres, because that's what a normal farm size was in those days. By the time my grandfather, Lawrence Beck, uh, in 1901, got married, it was only 40 acres left, 40 acres left. And so... He, it was cleared, so he sold that 40 acres and came six miles south to where we are, are between Atlantic and Arcadia, about six miles, eight miles south of, uh, of Tipton itself, and found this 80 acres and bought this 80 acres in 1901 and had to finish clearing it off to make his whole 80. So that's how we got started on the very place that uh, most of our buildings is about 30. 30 acres of buildings now warehouses and research and everything on that 80 acres. They hardly recognize it anymore, but that started here in uh, Hamilton County instead of Manitim County.
1: So there was at some point there was a transi- transition, I guess from traditional farming to growing hybrid seed corn. Uh, right. Sure. And, and how did that all happen? I know it's a, it's a testament to innovation creativity uh, as well and detasseling. I know. And I remember I, I detassled corn cor- when I was a kid. That was a big, big
0: part of it, right? That, that's right. But uh, a little bit of history why hybrid seagorn is such a big deal. From 1865, if you look back, that's the Abe Lincoln days, uh, US was keeping records on corn yields, and they were 30 bushels per acre. And my grandfather in 1901 inherited 30 bushels per acre. And from then until 1937, when hybrid seagorn came out, guess what? It was 30 bushels per acre. Us selecting open pollinated from, just all the genes were mixed up. And you never could get one that would stand good and it would have yield. And so the hybrid seed form came along. And it's changed that 30 bushels fraker in the U.S. And we had, and from 1337 to 1964, we gained a bushel per acre per year because of the hybrid seed form. Then we learned, since we had atrazine and some weed controls coming out in the mid-60s, that we could control weeds in this short corn that it took to grow hybrid seed corn. You had to use inbreds and they were short and the weeds would overcome them. But when we had atrazine, now we could go back to using single crosses instead of double crosses. So from single crosses from 64 until mid 90s, we gained two blue bushels per acre per year. Then we come along with weed controls again And uh, and also rootworm controls and the gene and genotypes and 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 basically all these inventions, the rootworm control and so forth, and that that gave us three bushel sprayer. And now recently we believe we're on four bushel climb because of innovation, quantum analysis of our quantum analysis just means instead of crossing Mm -hmm. one hybrid with one inbred with another and then trying out all hundred outcomes. We throw the information about this father and this mother, this male, this female into the computer. And that gives us go get a cup of coffee and you come back and you've got, you know, millions of <laughs> potential outcomes. And we pick the best ones out of that and go to the field. So that's the reason we're on a three to almost four bushel per acre per year, uh, increasing corn yields in the United States. That's because of this. Uh, which the genetics is just getting better because we can make better use of our time using using analysis and, and those call it AI now. Yeah. we've been on right. that sort of thing for some years. Here and we call it the quantum analysis because we can look at so many outcomes just by crossing this male with this female. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the history of the of how we how we've led the world literally in in. Yeah. Uh, and, and corn yields and, not, and breeding. And it's not just all in the cornfield anymore, although it is, we have 19 locations, and we're doing testing to test how these hybrids work for this farmer in this area. And we don't, don't want the hybrid that just goes all across the United States. So that might make us a little bit different. We want to select a regional hybrid that works here in Indiana, and we get over to the darker soil than Illinois, that's a different hybrid. And we get on north to, to where we have less heat units, That's a different hybrid. And then we go on the delta, and that's a completely different system. Down sure. there. So we want, we want to select hybrids to all those regions as opposed to just saying, well, here's the best one for U.S., now go sell it. So, yeah, yeah. Farmers appreciate that a lot, to annoy uh, where they can go to the fields, and walk can see competitors, corn and soybeans against ours in their own area. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, if you ask one of, the, one of the sources of growth, is that they can see all, oh, they see how that hybrid forms, and then see lots of them that are adapted to their area, not just one that's adapted to the whole US. And so yeah. I've been yeah. very fortunate in being able to uh, grow the company, farmers, uh, <laughs> that's grow really company, very. It's not very fast, but it's it's so steady, it's not funny. Yeah, yeah. Give
1: give people an idea, Sonny, because obviously technology and innovation has been a part of farming for a long time. But when you talk about the things you're doing there at Bex, you know, right here uh, in Indiana, give people an idea of how much technology and innovation is involved in doing what you do.
0: Well, we spend a lot of time with that business, and there's a lot of time still in the field, but there's a lot more time, uh, you know, in the laboratories. And then, for instance, we're making a cross. We can now harvest that that little grain of corn when it's just like a blister, think like of a sweet corn, and just that little bitty blister there. We go in with literally a scalpel, and you dig out the, okay, most of that's food, but there's a germ right there, a little baby corn. We dig that out, at about 11 days after pollination and we put it on auger plate and auger plate and in another 10 12 to 14 days we will have a plant up here maybe six eight inches tall and we can snip a piece of that leaf it's growing on auger plate and and then go gene test it know exactly what it will do it just speeds up things so fast yeah and and it's just fun because you can just make things move so fast with all, all the innovations and things that we can do nowadays.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, what's next? As you look, uh, I know you get, you're very strategic about growth. If you've talked about that consistent growth as you look, uh, you know, going forward, is there mm-hmm. a, a next uh, big thing or a next push at Bex?
0: It's probably a lot of little things, but I can't I've always been able to put everything together and, and end up with uh, you know 10, 10 and 12% growth. Uh, and again, you, you don't want to set a goal and say, oh, we're gonna beat the next the, the county team here. You don't want to set a goal and say, we're gonna beat some bike when you beat them, you, know, you quit. We, we all are about making ourselves better every day. And I think if you continue to do that and you use all the sources that you have at hand, everybody in the team, from research, Production to sales to agronomists to everything. Understanding it takes everybody doing their best to make this work, and everybody understands that it's not the stamp reader, it's not it's not the salesman; it's the whole team. And and if if companies will adopt that method, I believe you can grow any industry or any company if we trust each other. It's T I I C P integrity. One of the biggest things that would get you fired here would be not being truthful, or being truthful, or maybe stealing something. There's no, no question about that. So I don't believe, I've, I've said this for you, late, I don't believe in putting the fence around it and locking things up. I just believe in locking people up that don't believe like I do uh-huh. in terms of integrity. Okay. Yeah. that's, that's a strong statement, but again, you don't have to lock things up. You have people that have integrity. And we also are very willing to hire other family members. Some companies would say, oh, nepotism, and we don't, you can't bring anybody. Hey, I have companies here, father, the mother, and two children all work here. I mean, it's fine. I just assume they'd be talking about their work, so that their work at back so the separate table is yeah. Or something else, or not being able to talk about it at all, and so we have a lot of really good families and more than one generation. It maybe takes a little bit of a special person uh, here, but you ha- you've got to be willing to play on the team and recognize the of other people. Yeah. And we're all gonna win, we're all gonna win.
1: Uh, well, there's been a lot of winning at Bex uh, uh, for many, many years, Sonny. I really appreciate you taking the time to join me for the podcast. Uh, congratulations on the continued success and, and thank you too, for your leadership, uh, here in Indiana at Purdue and for the state of Indiana as well, because that's been very important as well. So thanks very much.
0: Thank you, Gary, for your always great commentating and you bring a lot to agriculture in the state of Indiana. Thank
1: you. All right, Sonny. Thank you. And thank you for joining us on this edition of the business and beyond podcast presented by PNC. It is a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond And you can download uh, all of our episodes and get Indiana Business News 24-7. All you have to do is go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.